Dear listeners, Sai Ram, welcome to our radio series, Afnoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30 p.m. to 2.00 p.m. Indian Standard Time. Today's episode was first featured as part of Thursday Live on January 3rd, 2013. Om Shri Sai Ram dear listeners this is Arvind from team Radio Sai who is joined as always with Prem from team Radio Sai for the afternoon satsang Sai Ram Arvind and a very warm Sai Ram to all our listeners the special thing about the new year celebrations was that the alumni of primary school the higher secondary school the university all had been to parthi and it was such a beautiful time to meet up with all and relive some of those most beautiful days really prem listening to them speak about their experiences you know i heard some stories from the 1980s some from the 1970s some from the 2000s all these they brought out different facets of the way swami interacted with the students the way swami interacted with the devotees listening to all that it was such a joy and hearing all this you begin to miss those so much you just wish that oh how i wish i could see this how i wish i could have also been there when this happened how i wish that such things can happen again oh my god the way i missed swami especially on the 31st of december and on the 1st of january the 31st of december we had a program by the primary school alumni on the 1st of january we had a program by the university alumni program was one thing meeting up with them behind the scenes after the program before the program catching up and hearing about the stories of how swami has impacted their lives Oh my god you just can't help but miss swami that beautiful form that robed form that little form which has captured the whole universe in such a big manner and also sometimes you know when you look at some of your classmates mm. invariably we associate some moments with swami with each classmate correct you know, it's otherwise you know, if if you studied in any other college maybe pranks will come to our mind and maybe uh, our relationship with that person will come to our mind but invariably when you meet alumni when you meet your former classmates you always tend to think of those moments when they would have had an interaction with swami and you were a witness to that interaction exactly swami becomes the common denominator he becomes the highest common factor he becomes the least common multiple you know in mathematical terms if we have to say it he is the thread that bonds us all together and you know it is indeed a pleasure and sometimes you know it's a kind of pain also prem because as the new year began i began to miss swami so much it was as if without any effort or without any attempt tears were spontaneously coming out of the eyes and i was hoping that how beautiful it will be if i can see swami how beautiful swami just once once if i can see the form it will be a great thing and all said and done i think everybody uh, each one of us do miss swami that physical form which has come to occupy such an important place in our lives it's become the first priority in our lives exactly that is because it is occupied a space which nothing else can fill hmm the truth is that because uh, when swami was there physically we tried to put as much of our thoughts and actions 
have them centered around that physical form that now we are coming to a point where we are struggling to fill that it feels like a void and nothing seems to have the capacity to fill the void especially on the new year's day that evening i was sitting and thinking about the beautiful days with swami the darshan where he would come gently gliding even when he came on the wheelchair never for a moment did he look like a patient or did he look like somebody who is not fully fine in any form swami was so beautiful whether he came walking whether he came in the wheelchair whether he came in the car and seeing him gave such thrills of joy that now when we are not apparently not able to do it it feels so so empty and we miss him so much and invariably you know when we miss swami and uh, moments when we uh, really look forward i mean you just have as i said there's nothing which can fill that place but i think at that moment we start to rationalize within ourselves that hmm. you know swami is after all always there swami has never left us why should we feel sad i think what we're doing is the pain is very very spontaneous actually hmm. we are not kindling that pain that pain is very spontaneous but we are trying to rationally and intellectually break down that pain i somehow find it contradictory when swami was with us physically we used to always say this is our great good fortune this is an opportunity that you have got or we have got we don't know for what merits in the previous births this is not something that everybody gets it is indeed a great blessing that we have got a chance to visit prashanti we say all this and obviously all this is because of the physical form of the lord and when the lord's physical form is not there we say that it doesn't make a difference it is the same the lord is everywhere how can it be possible if the lord was everywhere before and after why is it that we flock to puttaparthi whatever may be said whatever may be the wisdom that is showered liberally upon us from all quarters my heart just refuses to let go of its firm conviction that there is something magical something beautiful about the form that the formless cannot replace most definitely i remember once you know in thrai mm. swami asked one boy to speak one of mm. my seniors and he spoke very nicely and he spoke about the days when he goes back home during vacation and a couple of times when swami showed him that swami was always with him mm. and he was narrating a few incidents like that mm. and swami was very happy with his talk in the end of the talk swami was just conversing with him and in the conversation he mentioned swami please come to puttaparthi because this was happening during the vacations in brindavan thrai sessions okay. mm. and uh, he was praying to swami to come back to puttaparthi because he is a student yeah he was a student in prashanthinilam so mm. that you know he can have swami's uh, presence in prashanthinilam campus okay. mm. this altercation was going on for a while and suddenly swami said entra till now you were talking about the omnipresence of swami Hmm. And now you're asking for Swami's presence. <laughs> Till now you said Swami is everywhere, and hmm. now you're telling Swami, please come to Puttaparthi because it's so nice if you're there. Okay, and that moment nobody could say anything. Okay, it was like we were just as students hoping that somebody would talk on our behalf and you know put Swami uh, in place, in place, and <laughs> tell him that you know we agree with all that you say, but not this one. Hmm. And that boy had a very very beautiful statement to say, to which Swami didn't have a reply. Oh, what was that? Okay, and so he just made one sentence. He said, Swami. your presence is sweeter than your omnipresence and so we just smiled you know prem on so many occasions when i say this i am just quoting my example as a thing because that is what i have experienced 
but this is happening everywhere you know we see vibhuti coming out of photographs we see kumkum coming out of photographs you know recently too at home you know we were sitting and we were talking especially after all this happened so much of swami memory came we were talking about the beautiful times with swami we were all shedding tears you know as a family we were recollecting those beautiful days and there was vibhuti that appeared on swami's photograph mm-hmm. usually you know when vibhuti comes it's such a grand thing such a glorious thing such a happy thing we go and celebrate it but this time when it happened the thoughts that came in us was no swami you cannot i mean no this is not a compensation this is not a substitute you may fill the room with vibhuti you may make the sky come down and turn into gold it's a fantastic miracle swami but but still swami i would trade that for one moment of being able to see you look into your eyes hold your hand touch your feet because that joy is something so beautiful i cross my heart as i say that i would be ready to trade any of these miracles that are happening in my life for one glimpse of swami and i feel what is wrong in pining for it because whenever i've got a chance to express this or whenever i see others expressing it the response that comes is it's time for you to move on it's time for you to grow i don't want to grow out of it i want to live live in that pining and longing and wanting for that physical form because there is so much joy and beauty in that i may be shedding tears but i feel pining and missing his presence brings one kind of joy and a fulfillment within so deep that that it can't be expressed it is so wonderful in itself what do you think prem is it wrong to miss him and pine for the physical presence a couple of things you know one thing what i always feel is we imagine growth we imagine that oh i have to be like that it mm. is one good thing to set targets and work towards it but you know some you would often say i remember talking to one of my lecturers mm. and he would say that when he was a student in bandavan in the 70s some you would always make the students focus on the physical form mm. you know some you would do actions and activities in such a way and arrange schedules in the hostel in such a way that they will all be focused on this physical form correct okay and some you used to tell take pad namaskar take pad namaskar you will not get this again so we used to often keep repeating it he said that one moment came one day swami had called him for an interview mm-hmm. okay and he had actually grown in this since childhood so for him swami was everything swami in that physical form was everything mm-hmm. and he said one day swami called him inside the interview room he alone and swami entered latched the door and just turned back and said how long are you going to run behind this body mm-hmm. and he said it was a shock for him because it was swami who had encouraged them to go after the body mm-hmm. and here was a swami who was suddenly saying how long are you going to run after this body what he said after this you know the understanding which he shared with me he said let swami choose when you have to move on correct you no know, let mm-hmm. swami guide you mm-hmm. why do you have to force that feeling that no no i have to oh, move on now no no i have to grow up now mm-hmm. he said if that pain is spontaneous if that yearning is spontaneous that will actually define your path yes that may be the path yes and you know coming to look of it whenever you hear a tyagaraja kirtana or a meera bhajan or any song written by a devotee surdas we can actually relate to that pain of the devotee hmm. and we are able to relate to that pain because this physical form is there in our life correct imagine we wouldn't have pined and we wouldn't have had this devotion for swami if not for swami physically being in our life correct prem just imagine today if we have a look at how many thousands of devotees across the globe are you know pining and longing for swami and they are doing some incredible things going to the remote forests serving people there setting up projects 
doing things they would have never done and why they are doing it because if i do this my swami will be happy this was happening even when swami was physically there and they do it knowing in their heart that my swami knows how many have received physical acknowledgement that i know that you are doing this very few a blessed few there are so many blessed many who have not received this acknowledgement and yet they have worked on in faith and conviction but that faith and conviction came because of the form very true i think we might have had this discussion earlier mm. saying that in what way has dharma been established by the coming of the avatar correct and you know mm. we spoke of how after every avatar after the rama avatar after the krishna avatar there was a decline in the overall dharma of the age from satyuga you came to the treta yuga treta yuga to dwapara and dwapara to the west kali and It's now time. also after swami is leaving it doesn't look like the world yeah, has become a very true once in a discourse swami actually explained what is the dharma samsthapana which happens every time an avatar comes and swami said the only dharma which is worth establishing and which the avatar establishes is that of prema dharma he said he installs that love in each one's heart mm-hmm. and even if you look at the declaration god makes in gita in the same shloka he says paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chatushrutam Dushkrutama. Okay, and if you look at it, to destroy evil is like an afterthought. Correct. He said, "I have come to establish goodness and also destroy bad." Correct. But we actually concentrate on God has come to destroy bad, and when when we look around and see that nothing has improved, we say, "What has God done?" But the fact is, Swami has woken up a Tyagaraja in each one of us. Swami has actually inspired a Mira in each one of us. Hmm. We can think like how Mira thought. We can think like how Suldas or Tukaram thought. and i think that is the thing which that physical form is inspired and in fact we are actually feeling the same feelings which tukaram or tyagraja felt and by saying that to yearn is wrong is like belittling these great devotees isn't it and another aspect prem if you notice see it is wrong to equate this longing for swami as the physical attachment that we consider in the worldly sense of course it is attachment to the form but let's say we are attached to our parents we are attached to our friends we are attached to so many things suppose we lose a friend suppose a person vanishes from the face of the earth now different people have different degrees of attachment to him to that person so the close friend feel intensely and for years after that some people feel for that day and some people are not touched at all but you see when it comes to swami it is a a unique kind of attachment this kind of intensity of longing and missing is common across everybody a person who has had 100 interviews misses swami and if you think that he is missing swami because he has had 100 interviews he has interacted with swami on a day to day basis he's got more attached to the form ha huh. you are mistaken because another person who has just watched swami once has got so attached to the form and why this prem i'm telling you recently i received an email from one lady and she says she came to know swami know about swami hear about swami on the 24th of april 2011 and that too it was because a colleague of hers who was a student mm-hmm. in the college here had changed his status message to one of morning and that is how she came to know about the passing of satyasai baba <laughs> and today she is madly in love with swami she has not seen swami she longs to see swami she feels that how she missed out on seeing swami how is this possible how is it possible that if you consider it as attachment i mean we have lost our grandfathers some of us have lost our parents we have lost if i have not seen my grandfather i have not seen my grandfather so i 
I have no attachment for him. I just know his photograph. This is my grandfather. Because we would keep sitting and mourning all our forefathers. Ah, and how and how is it possible that a person who is no longer in the physical, after leaving the physical, is able to make somebody so attached? This is something very special in this attachment. It is not like any other ordinary attachment, and therefore, I feel the logic or the wisdom that is put and said that it is time to move on, go beyond the physical, doesn't hold good when it comes to Swami. because it is not like any other attachment on the face of the earth and i'm just reminded of one thing very interesting one of my friends shared with me you were comparing other attachments to that of swami hmm. and he said see every relationship is one of possessiveness you hmm. know you feel this is my brother this is my mother my father and you are losing somebody who's yours hmm but losing swami was losing somebody to whom you belonged beautiful hmm and the difference is that correct so that is why it cannot be compared with any other loss because this is not losing somebody but this is losing yourself actually and one more thing prem is suppose i'm missing my friend whom i lost or somebody whom i lost that's it you feel like overcoming it because you feel it's no use mourning that but when it comes to swami who can put a limit on the capabilities of swami <laughs> if i pine strong enough swami will appear I will see him in flesh and blood right in front of my eyes it is possible and swami has said that he has said that you should hold on with determination and seek till you get what you are seeking or till you collapse from the effort either one of the two things should happen but if you do that if you need me you deserve me and swami has promised that where there is longing he will manifest and it's not only as this avatar as vishnu told narada he said मत भक्त the priest of the temple tells him that you have to come here for 41 thursdays or 11 okay. thursdays or something and mm-hmm. at the end of it you will get the grace of baba okay can swami narrating this he says why should it take 41 thursdays why should it take 11 thursdays it mm. takes only one moment of true yearning wow swami goes on to say these are all just tactics to make crowd come again and again to the temple, temple. <laughs> okay and you know another story i remember is there is a famous uh, hanuman temple hmm. where it is believed if you go 31 days to that temple and do some 108 pradakshinas for 31 days in a certain ritual you follow it on the 31st day hanuman would manifest in front of you and give darshan hmm. so one devotee goes and he very very sincerely does this and on the 31st day actually hanuman comes and gives him darshan and then hanuman tells him that actually i would have come to you on the first day hmm. but you were so obsessed with the thought of 31 days after 31 days you'll get the darshan i had to wait 31 days and so to such obsessions can be dangerous because if hanuman had come on the first day this person would not have identified at all <laughs> and because it can't be it has to be on the 31st day so coming back this kind of longing is justified because swami has all the capacity to manifest and it is happening it is happening before so many people around the globe how many stories have we not heard prem <laughs> when i hear it i feel one day it will happen to me too and why not that used to be the same longing when we used to sit and see swami giving interviews 
we never receive an interview but yet we come and sit and long because we hope and pray that someday <laughs> i too will receive the same interview why don't we do the same now when we hear a story of swami manifesting in front of somebody instead of going and trying to worship that somebody or trying to get lost in those secondary bylanes why don't we hold on to swami and say that swami if you could show yourself to him you can show yourself to me also and i shall wait i shall wait i shall wait and that gives us hope and that gives meaning to the pining very true arvind as you said you know so how many we have not heard of swami coming one thing which i heard sometime back was to a person in whose meditation swami appeared and you know swami was guiding him hmm he said for years together he had this contact with swami but he didn't realize that this person was actually a living being oh. he thought he was a great master who was contacting him from some higher realm okay okay but he said it didn't make a difference to him hmm and i feel it didn't make a difference to him because i think it all lies in our perception hmm and we kind of with our limited perception try to limit the lord we are seeing hmm right and arun there's so much to talk about this and i think what we've established here is if that pain is spontaneous if that pining and yearning is spontaneous i don't think we need to be guilty of it hmm. we don't have to we don't have to rationalize it rationalize logically it. try to say that hey, what we are doing is wrong we are not supposed to be feeling it if it is spontaneous anything spontaneous is divine and as long as we spontaneously feel that outburst let us feel happy that we are in some way connected to our lord and allow this spontaneity to flow forth and before we proceed further prem maybe we should play that song from the drama where a doctor he spontaneously feels this pining for swami and cries out when shall i see you lord when shall i see you lord and in that drama at the end of this song swami appears and he sees swami well what happens in drama can happen in real life too because life too is a drama after all isn't it very true it's a beautiful song which actually captures the feeling i think most of us would have felt sometime or the other in these past couple of years कह 
तुम्हें ये तो बता दो ढूंढू कहाँ ढूंढू कहाँ ढूंढू कहाँ मंदिर में तुम मस्जिद में तुम काशी में तुम काबा में तुम ढूंढू कहाँ ढूंढू कहाँ ढूंढू कहाँ मन में अब आग लगी है तेरे दर्शन की प्यास लगी है प्यासे दो जीवन ज्योति जला दो भगवान ये सरविंद इंडीड वॉज अ वेरी ब्यूटिफुल सॉन्ग एंड आई स्टिल रिमेम्बर द इफेक्ट दैट हैड ऑन दैट डे इन पूर्णचंद्र वेन द सॉन्ग वॉज प्लेड the story goes that in the drama hmm. at the end of the song he actually has the vision of swami correct though he doesn't know swami and the story goes on like that coming back to this discussion arvind the idea that yearning and hmm. pain can also be a means to attain the ultimate understanding or ultimate realization hmm. and not that it is only through intellectual reasoning and rationaling that you can reach that state very true prem if we see the history adi shankaracharya he is considered as the exponent of advaita mm-hmm. advaita which states that there is only one and there is no second so everybody is divine this is the ultimate knowledge everybody is divine and therefore nobody needs to worship anybody else in what could be considered as a great paradox he had one disciple by the name padma pada who worshiped him who adored him who loved him so much if you see intellectually this seems so wrong because if swami says if you love me follow me and if you love shankaracharya you have to follow shankaracharya and shankaracharya's teachings is nobody needs to be worshiped because everybody is divine but here is his disciple who is adoring him and yet there is something very special about padmapada you know padmapada was one among the foremost disciples of adi shankara and his other disciples they always looked down upon padmapada they mocked him at times even demeaned him because they felt that he was not up to the mark he doesn't seem to be progressing intellectually at all he is all the while lost in serving serving shankara so where is the progress that he is making so they felt that he was a laggard in the class <laughs> no <laughs> progress at all but then you know one day adi shankara silenced all of them through a single act mm-hmm. the story goes that padmapada was on the other side of a river bank he was busy in something when adi shankara calls out for him mm-hmm. so implicit is his obedience love and faith also in shankara that he just turns and runs and the story goes that wherever he put a foot on the river a lotus blossomed 
and held him afloat on the water <laughs> he walked on the water and that is how his name became padmapada i am not aware of what was the original name <laughs> mm. but all of us know him today as padmapada padma meaning lotus and pada is feet, feet. because wherever he put his foot a lotus blossomed and held him on the surface of the water and this was something that none of the other disciples of shankaracharya the story goes that at the end of this episode actually shankara confers upon him huh. all the knowledge which the others were striving to achieve look at that <laughs> all their life they have been putting effort to achieve something simply by serving the master and just longing pining and loving the physical form of the master padmapada achieves it simply through that <laughs> very similar story happens in the life of gautama buddha to huh. the story of ananda you know one of the uh, foremost disciples of yeah and it is told many times but whenever it was told i used to feel that we are being a little unfair to the love that ananda had for buddha because mm. he actually happens to be a cousin of buddha mm correct who when he becomes a disciple he takes a vow from buddha that i will be the closest to you physically mm. so he said you will never speak to a third person in my absence and you will never sleep in a room where i am not sleeping to serve you and you will always give me the opportunity to be the closest disciple so buddha agrees with it and he becomes a disciple of buddha and it so happens that he loses many years in only serving buddha physically and as just like padmapada he is not a person who has been receptive to the message of buddha but he has actually served buddha but what is important is he has loved buddha all his life he has made this physical manifestation of his divinity as the very basis of his life Mm. Okay and it so happens that when Buddha is lying on his deathbed mm. all the other disciples of Buddha are in a state of mental equipoise where they can accept what Buddha is giving them in the form of departing physically but only person who couldn't take it at all was Ananda because he was so attached to the body mm. okay and uh, we often hear the story being told like everybody was at peace and Ananda was crying correct and uh, the story goes that all these disciples decide to have a conclave they mm. all want to come together and they want to document all the messages all the teachings of the buddha and on the basis of what they've understood what their uh, experiences taught them so there is this conclave they enter a room where all these disciples but ananda alone who is still not able to come to terms with this grief which has struck him is sitting outside the in the room where these people are talking and he cries the whole night mm. and the whole night the conclave is going on inside and he is sitting outside and crying and in that pain and in that yearning mm. in a moment actually that realization steps in what buddha really is and that buddha cannot leave him he gets enlightened he gets enlightened in the moment he gets enlightened the room where the conclave is happening the doors open and the disciples of buddha say you can come in you can join you one of us now this story is often presented as see the plight of ananda when everyone else had progressed ananda had not progressed at all what we don't realize is if we look at it in another perspective ananda had the cake and ate it also because <laughs> when the buddha was there he did not do those years of rigorous efforts that the others did in order to achieve he was just lost in serving the buddha and after the buddha left in just one night of crying and pining he achieved all that that the others had achieved through years of hard work and penance and that really shows what true yearning and pining can do I'm reminded of the life of Ramakrishna Paramahamsa too. Mm. You know, he is known as a devotee who always cried for mother and pined for her and finally eventually he gets that communion where he is able to go and talk to Mother Kali. Mm. At that time, 
who is known to be as Ramakrishna Paramahamsa's guru, Totapuri. He is a great Advaitin. He is hmm. a person who is absolutely fixed in that thought of Advaita, that he has reached that state where he himself sees himself as God. Hmm. You know, he comes by and he takes it upon himself to educate Ramakrishna Paramahamsa in the path of Advaita. Advaita. So the story goes that you know, he makes Ramakrishna sit and says that you're losing yourself. You're a devotee, but you're losing yourself in this Maya that this mother is real. Mm. You know, he goes on to tell that the whole world is unreal. You're unreal. Even your mother is unreal. Okay, and Ramakrishna is not able to take it. He starts crying like a child. He runs to the presence of Mother Kali and he says, this Totapuri is saying like this, Mother, is it true that you're also unreal? Mm. And uh, Mother Goddess says that, yes, Ramakrishna, I'm also unreal. So he's very, very hurt and... Uh, the mother tells him that don't worry you will progress so he goes back and the story goes that for so many days three days i think totapuri makes ramakrishna sit and tries to tell him that you have to go beyond the mother form and he says that every time he goes the mother's form comes as a veil and he's not able to progress beyond that you know he reaches great meditative states but when that mother's form comes he's not able to go beyond that and in frustration it seems totapuri picks up a piece of glass and pierces it in that spot between the eyebrows of Ramakrishna and he says where it's paining now concentrate there okay and he starts concentrating and he says take the sword of discrimination and tear the veil that the mother's form is hmm. okay and Ramakrishna does that you know he imagines that he does that and then he goes into that state of advaita of bliss hmm. okay and reaches that state and he's not able to come out of it he's in that bliss and that time totapuri thinks my god what took me 30 years this man has achieved in 3 days hmm and totapuri himself is shocked and it seems it comes around that totapuri realizes that this form cannot be false like the rest of the world correct this form running after which he has reached the ultimate state it cannot be completely false so he becomes a devotee of mother <laughs> <laughs> so you see a person who firmly entrenched on the path of bhakti yoga is given gyana and another on the path of gyana yoga is given bhakti very true and in fact vivekananda himself used to say that you know when he talking about ramakrishna he used to say he is a gnani wearing the cloak of a bhakta hmm and i am actually a bhakta because inside i have a lot of fear and insecurity wearing the cloak of a gnani wow so i think prem both of us are definitely convinced <laughs> that there is nothing wrong it's a misconception to think that pining for the lord is a weakness it's a flaw or a deterrent on the path very true it is actually a thing that accelerates accelerates growth it is such a wonderful thing it is a thing to be celebrated and it has got potential to grow and make us flower into such phenomenal spiritual heights i think that story will be perfect here another story which is which in according ah. to us is kind of misinterpreted right yes the story very quickly let me recap it for our listeners i'm sure many would have heard about it it's a story that is told about a man who is caught in the flood and he's waiting he's praying to god he's telling lord i want you to come and then the story goes that a boat comes by and he refuses saying that you go ahead and take somebody else because my lord will come for me then a helicopter that comes to rescue him he says no no you go i'm waiting for the lord to come and then it says that finally he perishes in the flood and he is face to face with god and when he is face to face with god he says god i called out to you why you didn't come and god says i sent you a helicopter and i sent you a boat you chose to refuse them and therefore it was not possible it is often quoted in the perspective that 
don't go behind god and that form because you miss god can come to you in any form correct okay but another way of looking at it you know I, uh, we used to as students kind of retell the story to ourselves and we used to say we used to feel that this is how it should be told hmm. and you know this is the message the story actually gives it is like we used to say that this man refuses all the help which comes to him and finally he is in heaven and god is in front of him and he says god you didn't come to save me and god tells him that son you actually chose that i come to your rescue more than even your life hmm. you know you knew that this could in fact kill you but still you chose that you know i should come and rescue you and lord says that because you held on to that so strongly you are face to face with me if you had taken the boat and helicopter yeah, he, you would be sitting at home maybe you lived okay and maybe you know you would thought okay fine i've been taken care of but to come to face to face with the lord i would choose to skip any boat and helicopter if i can <laughs> go face to face with my yeah, lord yeah and i think this pining is that you know instead of catching the boat of wisdom in nyana if that is the natural and spontaneous progression if that is our inclination yes definitely that's fine but i think you know reading into knowledge which is not actually become spontaneous for us and force ourselves into that and think that we are actually being small and and worse than that is read it without understanding it and without uh, experiencing the import and shower it liberally on all those who come around you telling that don't be foolish don't hold on to the form it's time to move on it's time i mean that i feel is it is really not right because each person is unto himself there are as judgmental. many paths and becoming judgmental basically uh-huh. you know like what thotapuri exactly he all the while kept thinking that here is a madcap and in the end it so happened that he turned out to be his own guru so he himself has said of all the madnesses that afflict man god madness is the least harmful and the most beneficial definitely and the madness also again is like a matter of perspective just as we saw in this helicopter story for a god intoxicated man the world looks like mad <laughs> for a world intoxicated person a devotee looks mad so what is madness actually everybody is mad in some way or the other and swami says among all these madnesses if you are mad after god that is the least harmful that is the most beneficial so that is something wonderful and when i think of it you know the place which swami has taken in our life and when we actually tend to define this devotion as attachment sometimes mm. the fact is whether we accept it or not all of us have a certain amount of attachment and certain amount of this impure love mm. but what swami has done is swami has even directed that love towards himself swami has taken that place in our life where even that impure love gets directed towards him and it's in the process of getting purified just like that stunt man who stood in front of the idol and kept juggling the whole day and you know, said that, that oh lord take my stunt devotion that i am having and grant me true devotion in return and for all that we know the imperfections in our love for swami itself might be the path which is going to lead us to that perfect love with him isn't it so prem now that we have come to the fact that yes there's nothing wrong in missing swami nothing wrong in pining for that there are those times you know when the missing and pining like personally at least this is what happened to me on the january 1st when it becomes so intense you don't wish to eat food you don't wish to do anything else you just wish to be lost and even though you are shedding tears they are not actually sorrow because you know sorrow pulls you down these tears that you shed for the lord they uplift you they make you feel light they make you feel so charged they make you feel almost like an angel of the lord i mean you know <laughs> you are so suffused with swami's love what should we do 
when we come across such situations in our life it happens it happens so spontaneously and it's not that it's a planned thing but when it happens is there something that we should do or we can do so that we can enjoy the bliss or we can benefit yeah one thing is actually a culmination of what you've spoken so far hmm. that is to enjoy that moment to be hmm. in that moment and summing it up i would say that don't let your head spoil the heart's party Hmm. because it is actually a rejoicing moment for the heart even though it is pain in a form hmm. the kind of contact and the kind of closeness you feel to swami you will not find it in any other moment correct so why actually bring your head and your intellect into that moment and unnecessarily spoil that the moment of rejoicing and proof that that is a very special moment is because let's be honest to ourselves whenever we have felt this intense yearning and pain and we have shed tears saying swami we miss you we want to see you somewhere in our heart there is a voice that is saying that something beautiful is going to happen now <laughs> this is the way that you have pined it is not going to go waste something beautiful will happen and again innumerable have been experiences where if not immediately after the pining an answer comes in the most beautiful manner in which only the lord is capable of giving and we know that yes this is swami responding such experiences get comforted because of this and therefore as you correctly beautifully and so succinctly put it let us not allow the head to spoil the heart's party because while the head enjoys logic the heart is beyond logic it is so fixed in the truth that it doesn't care for the logic and the other thing which Swami used to say is you know when you walk into a dark room mm. it gets illuminated the moment you switch on the light mm. okay and suppose you're in a dark room and you're feeling depressed there is darkness even one second before the light came in mm. and if you gave up hope even that one second before mm. it's like you've lost so when we yearn for swami or when we yearn for his presence you never know when it will come the problem with logic is when we try to rationalize things the problem with logic is that god is not logical if we can <laughs> say so and you see this happening over and over again where god has defied logic and when we try to put in logic the mistake we are doing is the limitations that we perceive we impress the same limitations onto the lord which is not true we have no idea what are the capabilities of the lord after all Swami is a master of time and space. He can do what he wants whenever he wants. So why should we try to impress our logic onto God? See for example if we take the scientific world. Mm-hmm. Towards 1900 when that was the time it is said that the physicists around the world said all that is there to be done is done there's nothing else. True. It was believed to be uh, the classical mechanics is all that physics which physics which is, is about you know quantum mechanics had not been discovered, not been discovered and there had been a lot of intense research that had gone in which had proved things like an electron being a wave and not a particle and light being waves not particles and photons as mm. it was thought all this was done and just when physics felt that it is at its culmination at the peak there's nothing more to be discovered came a very strange thing this happened when they were shining light on a metal they saw that it was generating power mm-hmm. current that's a common thing that is the basis on which the solar cells are developed today light shines and you get current 
but at that time it was something amazing and somehow it was happening only when you shine a blue light or a violet light mm-hmm. it was not happening if you shine a red light okay now according to the wave theory of light it said that red light is having a greater wavelength lesser frequency mm-hmm. basically it means it's a less energetic beam okay and blue light is a more energetic beam mm-hmm. so therefore while blue light is able to elicit electrons mm-hmm. red light is not able to do so logical but then somebody said okay then shine a lot of red light mm-hmm. if one bucket of water cannot do something one tank of water can do it but while a speck of violet light was able to elicit electrons shining how much ever red light never elicited electrons and then physics was again at crossroads they were not able to explain this based on the wave nature of light mm-hmm. and then came along albert einstein who gave the beautiful photoelectric effect for which he got the nobel prize and the photoelectric effect takes as an assumption that light is a particle just imagine for the last 40 years physics went about proving that light is a wave and now albert einstein comes along and says this works like this because in this experiment light behaves like a particle the dual nature of light ah, but that was not known at that time so they said are you crazy light is a wave and you're saying that light is a particle he said i am not crazy don't you see it behaving like a particle <laughs> what you see is what is the truth it's behaving like a particle in this experiment therefore in your experiment light is a wave in this experiment light is a particle it seemed crazy at that time in 1905 and that is why you know he got the nobel prize in 1930 and <laughs> no, later on not 1930 but much later not immediately because at that time it seemed so absurd but albert einstein said when experience and theory clash i prefer to go with the experience that's all it is it may be illogical it only means that we have not understood doesn't mean that it is not happening and today the theory says that light is both a wave and a particle and why light even an electron even you even me <laughs> all of us are particles as well as waves seems so absurd even if we <laughs> say it now but that is the truth that is what science has discovered so many times by being logical we are cutting away the infinite possibilities that actually exist and that is why i feel when these intense feelings come we should definitely not use the head go with the heart just going with that example which you gave with the photoelectric effect you know what has actually happening is mm. experience is leading to the theory being formed correct okay and once the theory is formed we are so rigid about the theory we are not ready to accommodate any other experience Hmm. Okay it's not just that let the experience modify the theory the moment the theory is made from experience you know the, when they say light was a wave it was from the experience of some experiments correct but then once the theory was formed we got so stuck to that theory and i think that's what we're doing with swami also our experience has given an image of swami exactly and we want to just get stuck to that image even though there is so much experience around which actually may be enriching our way of looking at swami himself mm. and putting it in this context yearning it is i think what lies in our capabilities is just to yearn for him mm. and not to limit him with what logic has taught us to perceive it as maybe that's the reason why we see you know recently i heard about a senior of mine three mm. years senior he settled in germany okay his father is still working as a professor in our institute mm-hmm. he says that his 3 year old son 
tells that he has spoken to Swami in the physical form in Germany. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think that the child is imagining, it's fabricating. But I feel it is such a blessing that the child is experiencing. And I know it is definitely true because this is not the first child that is stating. I had a chance of speaking with some children in the primary school. One child says how he got scared to go to the toilet. And he says, Swami came in white robe, held his hand and took him to the toilet. I was shocked. <laughs> but the children are not shocked because they are seeing it. The child doesn't get shocked when it sees an elephant. It doesn't get shocked when it sees a cow. It doesn't get shocked when it sees Swami coming because it is what it is seeing. It's going by the experience and not by the logic. If I see Swami today, the first thing I'll think is, am I drinking too much? <laughs> am I hallucinating? Am I sleepy? Because according to me, I cannot see Swami. That is maybe the reason why kids seem to experience Swami more and more around the world. So many stories where kids are experiencing Swami more than adults because kids have not yet been ruined with logic. In very true, Swami has caught them in the learning stage. I think, you know, <laughs> Swami has kind of accommodated himself and his logic, which is beyond logic hmm. in their learning process itself. And, you know, just talking about the fact that Swami answering any prayer, Swami responding to any prayer need not be based on logic or this one. I'm reminded of an amazing experience once which was narrated in Swami's presence mm. by one of my seniors mm. when he was asked to speak in front of Swami. And uh, it just shows that Swami is way beyond what we think. Mm. I mean, He is not defined by time and space but He actually defines time and space. Mm. It seems that one alumna of uh, the Anantapur campus, mm. she was traveling with her mother in a train, you know, I think it was a short distance train and in the compartment where they were sitting, they were alone and at one particular station, a group of youngsters got in, a very jolly lot, which looked like a lot which could pass some comments on young girls around, that kind of a thing. Hmm, so okay. the moment they got in, the mother got a bit concerned and she felt that if the situation would become a little, a little ugly and she wouldn't be able to ha- handle it. So she started praying to Swami and Swami, you should do something. It's your daughter. You have to take care of her. Mm. You know, if these boys start commenting, I don't know what to do and all that. So just at that time, the girl excused herself and she said, I'll just go to the washroom the washroom and come. Mm. So she went and, uh, and this mother was praying that, okay, at least for three minutes, this girl will be away from the presence of all these youngsters. So mm. she'll be safe. So the mother was waiting. It was 15 minutes. The girl didn't come back. Okay. You know, half an hour and the girl still hasn't come back. Oh. And almost an hour and a half passed and the tr- and the station where they are supposed to get down is almost there and this girl has still not come. And just before they reach the station, which is well after one and a half hours, mm-hmm. this girl just comes out of the bathroom. She casually comes and she sits down. And the mother is, in, in a sense, she's happy that, you know, she could be away from all these... But hiding in the toilet for so long. Okay. And uh, the mother asked her, what were you doing in the washroom hmm. for one and a half hours? And the girl said, what one and a half hours? He said, you were in the bathroom for one and a half hours. Hmm. And she said, no, I just went and I just came back. Oh. And for that girl, it was just those two or three minutes. Uh-huh. But for the rest of these people in the compartment, she was in the bathroom for one and a half hours. Wow. I mean, can I, he... Ima- I'm compression. <laughs> yeah. And can you imagine how Swami has played with time and space? Hmm. Because for this girl, she has just been there for three minutes. Hmm. Wow. And and let's say, you, you know, even as you started narrating this example of how logic can be woefully inadequate, I just started imagining because previously I had heard an experience of how a similar 
situation arose for another girl from the Anandpur campus. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she was from the Anandpur campus, but she didn't even have her mother traveling along with her, mm-hmm. and there was an empty seat by her side. And then a drunken man got onto the train, mm-hmm. and she got worried. Now, if he comes and sits, what is going to happen? But he came till the spot where she was there, but did not sit next to her. All the while, just stood. In fact, when one of the persons also suggested, "Why don't you just sit there?" Just in a, in a may of you know mm-hmm. irritation, that drunken man turned back with irritation and said, "Are you mad? Don't you see that person already sitting there?" And you know that drunken man was seeing Swami sitting there. <laughs> you know such things Swami is capable of. I mean, how blessed is the drunken man that he could <laughs> see Swami? What that girl praying for is not able to see. This is no suggestion for anybody to start <laughs> taking to the habit. <laughs> no, no, but. even as you narrate started narrating that story i i this experience of that girl i thought maybe you're narrating this mm-hmm. and i was waiting for this climax <laughs> and i was thinking what is this this girl has gone to the bathroom into the rest washroom because this was not part of that story <laughs> so i got lost somewhere in between but then see that is what logic does it limits you now based on a previous experience i am limiting the future but there is no limitation anything is any, possible any number of possibilities are present in it I mean, this may be a little off the discussion. I'm just reminded of what uh, Anil Kumar sir during one of his speeches mm-hmm. narrated an experience. A man came to him and uh, he came with an invitation for his daughter's wedding, mm. and he requested Anil Kumar sir to get it blessed by Swami and tell Swami that this person's daughter is getting married. Mm. And Anil Kumar sir, knowing Swami, he said, <laughs> "I mean, that's the last thing anybody who knows Swami will do, because Swami never encourages that." And Anil Kumar sir very uh, nicely uh, told him that. You sit in darshan. Why do you want to think that Swami will not bless you? Hmm. If Swami wants to bless you, definitely Swami will bless you. I mean, there is nothing like so and so is closer or so and so is not close. You pray sincerely to Swami. Swami will definitely bless bless you. And he was happy that he just got away from the situation. Hmm. But you know, later that day, this person came and had this to share how Swami blessed him. Hmm. And it so happened that that day when he wanted to take blessings from Swami, he got the last token. Okay. So he was about fifteen twenty lines away from where Swami was coming, and Swami was coming in a car. Hmm. These days, that Swami had already started coming in the car, so there was no way he could actually get to give this invitation for his daughter's wedding to Swami directly, or get any form of blessing. And he had this bowl of what you call akshatas, right? The raw rice mixed with uh, turmeric. So he had that in one bowl, and uh, the invitation. So even as Swami was passing by in the car, he just held up that bowl of. Akshatas, okay, okay, and held up this invitation, and he just prayed to Swami, Swami, my daughter's wedding, please bless. Hmm. And Swami passed by, and later when he looked into that bowl of Akshatas, there was the Mangal Sutra. Oh, the necklace that is given to the bride. The bride. Wow! Imagine it materialized. had materialized in the bowl he was holding in his hand. Wow! That is why I'm saying there is there no is logic. limitless uh, possibilities. You know, possibilities the way Swami can respond to our prayer. So when we feel this pining for Swami, when we feel that we are missing Him, okay, so that is spontaneous. We have agreed; we cannot plan it. But when it happens, what are the things we should do? Among them, first thing is what we should not do is don't allow logic to set in. Just go with the flow and go with the heart. Right? Exactly. Definitely. The moment you understand that this is such an important moment, hmm. you will not uh, let it pass. Correct. You will want to cherish it. You will want to treasure it. Hmm. Uh, before we go into that frame, maybe we can take a short break. And yes, dear listeners, 
so involved have we been in our satsang that you may think that we have forgotten no we would love all of you to participate in the satsang do write to us at listener at radioside.org with your thoughts your feelings we are now discussing on what all we should do and we should not do when we get this kind of intense pining and longing and missing swami more of that after this short break where we will listen to another bhajan seeking and pining for swami's darshan this is taken from the album by sai blossoms named bhavanjali yeah the volume 1 of bhavanjali bhavanjali दर्शन दो प्रभु साईनाथा दर्शन दो प्रभु साईनाथा दर्शन दो प्रभु साईनाथा दर्शन दो प्रभु साईनाथा दर्शन दिखाओ साईनाथा दिखाओ साईनाथा दर्श दिखाओ साईनाथा दर्शन दो सुनो मेरे शाम गोपाल सुनो मेरे शाम गोपाल सुनो मेरे शाम गोपाल दिखाओ साईना 
दर्शन दो प्रभु साईनाथा दर्शन दो सुनो मेरे श्याम गोपाल दर्शन दो प्रभु साईनाथा वाओ दैट वाज अ ब्यूटीफुल भजन प्रेम एंड मे बी दैट्स वन मोर थिंग वी कैन डू राइट व्हेन वी आर फीलिंग सच इंटेंस मिसिंग दैट वी आर मिसिंग स्वामी लिसन टू अ भजन और वॉच अ वीडियो स्वामी डेफिनेटली एनीथिंग व्हिच काइंड ऑफ एक्सटेंड्स दैट फीलिंग फॉर एज लॉन्ग एज पॉसिबल Listen to Radio Sai. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, definitely, because I I happen to tell somebody listen to Radio Sai. You don't have to listen to us. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> We have something called a disco stream. We have something called a bhajan stream. Which these are all easiest ways of being in touch with Swami. Because let's face it, Prem. Even when Swami was physically here in Prashant Sinilam, suppose I'm sitting in uh, London or Texas or why so far even somewhere in Bangalore or Bombay in India also. if i miss swami intensely and this used to happen when swami is physically there also what would i do suppose i am in mumbai and i am missing swami intensely it is not that i would just leave everything catch a flight and come to bangalore and then go to prashantilam and have darshan or brindavan where swami was it would not be that way i would just tell myself that no this is good let me kindle this fire of longing in me and whenever i meet swami whenever that be whenever he wills i will meet him and when i meet him it will be there somewhere within that he will reward me for this pining mm-hmm. the beautiful thing about pining is even as we pine we know in our heart that this pining will be rewarded and so sitting in mumbai i would listen to swami's bhajans or read his discourses or see some video and know that no problem whenever swami wills i will see him and i will be rewarded why don't we carry on with the same now why do we feel things have changed now why don't we feel that now when i'm missing him so much let me read about swami let me see swami let me hear about swami let me listen to bhajans and whenever is the correct time swami will call me and i will see him why don't we just do that that's a nice thing to do right exactly and i think progressively what would happen is you know mm-hmm. i mean as you said when we were elsewhere and swami was here and when you knew that the pining which we had would reflect in swami rewarding us with something i think slowly we will realize that the reward lies in pining itself mm. the moment spent in pining itself is the greatest reward Mm. because you know many times i have felt that when sitting as a student and you know vips come politicians come and uh, the code of conduct demanded that swami gives them an audience mm. so swami always used to say that 
even a king in his sabha he had to seat people according to their status hmm it was not a spiritually wrong thing to do it's not discrimination yeah it was sangha niti basically it hmm. is like doing what the uh, moral code of the society demands yeah if you say that way it's like telling it's wrong that you're keeping head at a top position and putting foot on the floor <laughs> i mean you won't put your head on the floor right because it's like that <laughs> organs are asking somebody why do you apply powder only to your face and why not to your the sole of your feet huh. <laughs> and you know so what i am trying to say is when those moments used to happen and so, somebody used to come and walk in and have a interview i used to feel that you know swami sitting here and pining for your a word of yours or to be uh, in your presence maybe i am gaining more than what that flow actually gets by being in your presence in the interview room because he doesn't value it he doesn't value my pining as much as the presence of swami actually hmm you know that reminds me of a uh, chinna katha i think we had discussed this when we did a satsang on chinna kathas alone mm-hmm. but this chinna katha beautifully shows the value of pining swami says there was a disciple who wanted a mantra from his guru mm-hmm. a mantra that would redeem him okay yeah that one fine Haan. we had discussed it in correct so kata. yeah so he asks a guru to give a mantra the guru writes the mantra on the floor and by the time the disciple comes from work he has already left his body and the writing has been erased and the disciple feel that i have served my guru for 15 years for this mantra and i couldn't get it what has actually happened is a dancer girl has written down this mantra on a palm leaf and kept it with her and when she finds out how much he is longing for it she says you serve me then <laughs> when i feel it fine i'll give it to you he serves her for 15 years and she's a dancer and when she's dancing in front of the king she has kept that palm leaf swami says in her earring and you know swami used to when he is narrating the story he builds on and on and on and the story goes on for about Just 15 minutes to show minutes. how how desperate that aspirant was correct so you really want to know what is this mantra for which the aspirant is seeking so much and swami says and then the king threw for the dancer a pair of diamond earrings and seeing the diamond earrings the dancer she just removed off the palm leaf earring you know on which the mantra was there mm-hmm. and she just throws it to the ground the one mantra for which one person has pined for 30 years she just throws it down without any attachment because the diamond earrings are coming <laughs> then all the people who are listening are waiting for swami to conclude and say then the mantra was this and and swami concludes the story by saying he opened saw the mantra and he got liberated in an instant and then swami continues to say it doesn't matter what that mantra was the pining was such that any mantra there any word there any letter there would have redeemed that man and that message is you know even beautifully portrayed in that uh, lovely cartoon movie kung fu panda <laughs> you know kung fu panda is struggling for the dragon scroll and when he opens the scroll there is nothing the secret to life is nothing but that pining and longing and wanting that is what gives deservedness and gives the bounty very true when you know the other day we just having a small discussion within ourselves we were asking many times hmm. if you read a discourse of swami see swami is the master of everything hmm. he can actually give you the perfect understanding hmm. through his words hmm. but it doesn't happen always if that is the case sitting through one discourse should have clarified all our doubts correct because every discourse is complete yeah every discourse is complete and you know if you go and ask swami swami what is the secret of creation hmm. swami would say you and i are god 
Hmm, you and I are one. Yeah. yeah. And Swami has told it innumerable number of times. But why is that not giving us the ultimate understanding? Hmm. Because I think it lies in seeking. Yeah. The crux of the matter lies in the questions. All the answers are lying. The Satyasa speaks is filled with answers. Hmm. But the thing is, unless we ask those questions in right earnest, and then the answer comes to us, it actually makes no difference to our progress. There's nothing like the right answer, There's but the like right, the right question. Answer. Exactly, and you know this is actually explained in. Uh, I think it comes in the life of one of the uh, Sufi saints. Hmm. If I'm not wrong, I just hope my uh, memory serves me right. And it seems he's sitting and he's giving a discourse, and all his disciples are sitting around him. And one man comes in the middle of the discourse, hmm. okay, and he sits in the back. At the end of the discourse, this master says that if any of you have any questions to ask, you can ask me. Mm-hmm. So this man who came in between he gets up and he asks one question which apparently looks like everybody in the audience knew the answer mm-hmm. in an intellectual level they knew the answer for that question but he asks the question and the master also gives a reply which none of these people can actually appreciate or you know understand the import of it just looked like a simple question and answer and this man who asked that question after the answer is given to him just looks up pauses for a few seconds without saying anything just gets up and walks Hmm. And the master says he's through. Wow. <laughs> master says yeah he's done he's liberated. Hmm. And everybody around is surprised because actually it didn't look so grand yeah, an event. Yeah the key to the liberation did not lie in either the question or the answer. It was in that seeking. It was in that earnestness and it was in that yearning. It also is surprising and shocking because we feel enlightenment or moksha or liberation is a grandiose event you know the sky will open up and a light will come and you will levitate all this this is what we imagine because that is how we metaphorically indicate the grandeur of that event but it can happen through as simple thing as as you pour a mug of water while having bath as you put a morsel of food into your mouth as long as the pining is there you never know which is the 100th blow that is actually breaking the rock it is wrong to think that it is the 100th blow that actually broke the rock <laughs> and wrong to criticize and feel that the 99 blows before were useless and of no avail the pining is like those blows which keep hitting 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 and finally suddenly through a, you never know when it'll happen the switch will be put on like somebody was telling the other day uh-huh. the problem with all of us is we keep coming to conclusions every now and then <laughs> because conclusions is supposed to be come, come in the end, end. but we keep concluding every now and then <laughs> you know because based on as you were talking about the photoelectric effect the moment one experience is there we conclude Correct. another experience comes if you are broad hearted enough to accept it then we take that experience and again conclude and all the while we are concluding with the experiences we have and i think the point where we realize that let us just let all the experience flow in and let's conclude when actually the concluding moment comes you were saying about sitting outside and pining for swami as he gave interviews to the vips or different people who came you know about how pining is actually more important than getting if we see the life of say historically if we see many saints and sages in india if we see saint uh, ramadas he sought rama he wanted rama always so much so that it is said that he was a tahsildar and he got a temple for lord rama built in from Badrachalam, public money which still in is badrachalam which still is which there which still is there 
ಭದ್ರಾಚಲಂ ವೆರಿ ಕ್ಲೋಸ್ ಬೈ ಟು ಪುಟ್ಟಪರ್ತಿ ನಾಟ್ ವೆರಿ ಕ್ಲೋಸ್ ಬಟ್ ಕ್ವೈಟ್ ಕ್ಲೋಸ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಸೇಮ್ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಸೇಮ್ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ ಹಿ ಹಸ್ ಗಾಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಟೆಂಪಲ್ ಬಿಲ್ಡ್ ಫಾರ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ರಾಮಾ ಅಂಡ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಯು ನೋ ಗೋ ಅಂಡ್ ಟೆಲ್ ದ ತಾನೇಶ ಹೂ ವಾಸ್ ಅ ಮುಸ್ಲಿಂ ರೂಲರ್ ದೇ ಟೆಲ್ ಎಮ್ ದಟ್ ಸಿ ಹಿ ಇಸ್ ಯೂಸಿಂಗ್ ಪಬ್ಲಿಕ್ ಫಂಡ್ಸ್ ಟು ಬಿಲ್ಡ್ ಹಿಂದೂ ಟೆಂಪಲ್ಸ್ ದೇ ಇನ್ಸೈಟ್ ದ ತಾನೇಶ ಅಗೇನ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಹಿ ಆರ್ಡರ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ರಾಮದಾಸ್ ಬಿ ಇಂಪ್ರೆಸೆಂಟ್ ಆರ್ ಪೇ ಅಪ್ ದ ಮನಿ ನಾವು ಹೌ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಹಿ ಪೇ ಅಪ್ ದ ಮನಿ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಆಲ್ರೆಡಿ ಬೀನ್ ಯೂಸ್ಡ್ ಟು ಕನ್ಸ್ಟ್ರಕ್ಟ್ ದ ಟೆಂಪಲ್ ದ ಸ್ಟೋರಿ ಗೋಸ್ ದಟ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ರಾಮಾ ಅಂಡ್ ಹಿಸ್ ಬ್ರದರ್ ಲಕ್ಷ್ಮಣ ಗೋ ಟು ದ ತಾನೇಶ ಅಂಡ್ ರೀಪೇ ದ ಮನಿ ಆನ್ ಬಿಹಾಫ್ ಆಫ್ ರಾಮದಾಸ್ ನಾವು ಲುಕ್ ಎಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ ಪ್ರೇಮ್ ರಾಮದಾಸ್ ಇಸ್ ದ ಒನ್ ಹೂ ಹಸ್ ಬೀನ್ ಪೈನಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಅ ಗ್ಲಿಮ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ರಾಮಾ ಅಂಡ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ತಾನೇಶ ಗೆಟ್ ದರ್ಶನ್ ಫಾರ್ ಫ್ರೀ ಬಟ್ ದ ಡಿಫ್ರೆನ್ಸ್ ಇಸ್ ದೋ ದ ತಾನೇಶ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಸೀನ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ರಾಮಾ ನಥಿಂಗ್ ಹ್ಯಾಪನ್ಸ್ ಟು ಹಿಮ್ ನಥಿಂಗ್ ಹ್ಯಾಪನ್ಸ್ ಟು ಹಿಮ್ ಬಟ್ ಟುವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ದಿ ಎಂಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಹಿಸ್ ಲೈಫ್ ರಾಮದಾಸ್ ಗೆಟ್ಸ್ ಅ ಗ್ಲಿಮ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ರಾಮಾ ಅಂಡ್ ದಟ್ಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಲೈಕ್ ಅ ಬಲ್ಬ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪ್ಲೋಡಿಂಗ್ ಅಂಡರ್ ಥೌಸಂಡ್ ವಾಟ್ಸ್ ಅಂಡರ್ ಹೆವಿ ಕರೆಂಟ್ ಲೈಕ್ ದಟ್ ಹೀಸ್ ಬಾಡಿ ಇಸ್ ಅನೇಬಲ್ ಟು ಬೇರ್ ದ ಜಾಯ್ ದಟ್ ಕಮ್ಸ್ ಫ್ರಾಮ್ ದಟ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೀರಿಯನ್ಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ವಾಟ್ ಮೇಡ್ ಹಿಮ್ ವರ್ತಿ ಟು ರಿಸೀವ್ ದಟ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೀರಿಯನ್ಸ್ ವಾಸ್ ದಟ್ ಪೈನಿಂಗ್ ವಿತೌಟ್ ಪೈನಿಂಗ್ ಹೌ ಮೆನಿ ಅವರ್ ಟೈಮ್ಸ್ ಯು ಸೀ ರಾಮಾ ನಥಿಂಗ್ ಹ್ಯಾಪನ್ಸ್ ವಿ ಹವ್ ಹರ್ಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಸ್ಟೋರೀಸ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೀರಿಯನ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಹೂ ಆರ್ ಗಾನ್ ಇನ್ ಟು ರ್ಯಾಪ್ಚರ್ಸ್ ಬೈ ಟಚಿಂಗ್ ದ ಟಿಪ್ ಆಫ್ ಸ್ವಾಮೀಸ್ ಟೋ and i felt that i have touched swami's feet a thousand times and i have not had quarter of the rapture that they are having it's not about the act it's about the intensity and longing and pining and same thing story of shabri from ramayana hmm she spends all her youthful days and all her life waiting for that moment when lord rama will come and that one session where she actually has to give hospitality to lord rama hmm. is enough enough to enough exactly. to redeem her and she has been doing that for years and years on the end you know prem i am reminded of again another episode from the life of another great saint devotee singer composer everything you know <laughs> mirabai True. mirabai was mad after krishna and she came in an era thousands of years after lord krishna existed on the earth i mean so seeing by the modern day times the way you know explanations are given somebody should have told meera meera it's wrong you're pining for krishna it's krishna time is to gone. move on <laughs> it's time to move on come on evolve you're one with krishna and all that she actually became one with krishna through her love and pining for krishna i remember in trai brindavan we were seated and there were these students who were singing meera bhajans okay and swami was hearing the meera bhajans and swami got so lost it was like you know reciprocating like how meera would sing about krishna and get lost she would get transported to the days of the gopikas dancing with krishna it was as if listening to the song of meera swami was transported to meera and he was with meera bai it was like that and then came a beautiful song you know darshana dijo aao it is said that this was the song that meera sang out finally because she said i have done everything i have gone everywhere but krishna i am not able to see you i want to see you i want to see you and the song was so beautiful swami was moved into tears and then swami went on to explain he said a line comes there you know that meera is your servant for life times together not only this one life and swami said that that meera bai for her darshan of the lord was so necessary it was more vital than air for her and so she went to the threshold of the temple of krishna and started banging her forehead and swami showed that action you know mm-hmm. he showed it he said that like this she moved her head and she banged it banged it her head started forehead started bleeding she said krishna i don't want my body i don't want my life i don't want anything i just want and in that moment krishna comes 
because once that pining and reaches that intensity miracles of any kind happen in an instant spontaneously just like you switch on a light bulb and swami said that that is what happened and you know meera saw lord krishna now this i got a chance to witness if i can say swami's emotion swami's passion and swami's intensity when he was speaking about the devotee's intensity it felt so wonderful because what the devotee is showing is what the lord is also showing more than 1000 years after mirabai and then that same year you know the students from the school plan to put up a drama on mirabai's life mm-hmm. in swami's presence in kulwant hall yeah correct in 2006 or 2007 i don't remember Must exactly be. during the january time and uh, since i was a senior student involved in dramatics i was called to help them in putting the drama the dialogues and okay. all in order i noticed that in the whole script this song which swami had described about in thrai brindavan you know telling that this was a song with which meera got mm. krishna it was missing so it was lucky that i had got this chance to be in thrai there and therefore i said you know swami was very this about this song so we should include this song now this song had been sung in thrai brindavan by a male singer a student okay. and now here the confusion was now if meera bai is going to sing who will sing this song we need to get a female singer because it was a boy acting as meera bai you can put costumes and make a boy look like a girl now how do you disguise a voice, voice. we have to find a female voice but you know somehow everybody the elders everyone felt that swami is bhavapriya he loves the feeling so on the final day meera bai sang in a masculine voice <laughs> in the sense the person who gave the voice was the same boy who had sung in trai brindavan months earlier okay and came the scene and my god the whole hall was charged you know when this song came and meera is pining meera is crying and banging her head on the threshold and swami broke down on stage i had told you swami narrated that at this point krishna appeared right and that point in the song came this was the time for krishna to appear and even before krishna could appear you know <laughs> swami called meera bai mm-hmm. he said meera bai he called her i mean him <laughs> and on the spot instantly materialized the chain put it around his neck and made him take padanamskar you know it was a drama in real life this was what had happened centuries ago and just reliving the pangs of separation of another devotee just reliving that in itself made this boy win the heart of swami get a padanamskar get a chain and filled his heart with love for swami that is the magic that is the power of pining and longing and intensity definitely and beautiful i mean many times you know when swami would say it and ask for kirtanas composed by tyagaraja songs hmm. composed by meera it often used to occur you know what kind of feeling would have gone behind these songs that after so many hundreds of years the lord comes in a human form and still is relishing those songs what an impact it has made on the lord and i remember when we were students in bandavan Mm-hmm. the very famous singer Begum Parvina Sultana mm-hmm. she was giving a concert she was sitting on the stage Swami was sitting down and we were sitting around Swami and at one point Swami stopped her and said can you sing that Meera Bhajan Mere To Giridhar Gopal, Gopal. Mm-hmm. and uh, she you know, very humbly said Swami I don't know that song I'm sure she would have known it but they were so devoted to Swami they wouldn't present anything to Swami unless they it was perfect it. Huh. so she said that Swami I don't know and Swami was so upset he said what you don't know this song Mira song you don't know 
and she's another great devotee the very next time when she had the opportunity to sing in front of swami she started with the song she mm. said swami asked for the song i'm offering the song to swami and the way swami enjoyed that song and coming back to that you know it, there might be many other great compositions there might be many other literally perfect compositions and musically uh, you know beautiful compositions but i think it was that emotion which these devotees infused into that through their pining and through their pain that so many hundreds of centuries later not only swami is responding to that it kind of kindles that same yearning and pain in our own hearts isn't it very true prem and though my heart longs to go on my head is saying that in spite of all the logic that you say that you should not follow this is something that we can continue on briefly recapping what we discussed so far is that there is nothing wrong there is nothing weak or nothing wrong in pining and missing swami and whenever we pine and miss swami there is an intense surge of energy and vitality that comes it comes out as tears it comes out as so many things what i feel is swami is definitely within us uh. but i think these moments of pining and yearning takes us closer to the swami within us and make the swami within us if needed even manifest outside Very so true. that we can see him even with our physical eyes absolutely so some of the things that we discussed today that we can do one thing is do not allow logic to creep in and second thing is two things like reading swami's books or listening to his songs Which will that sustain that emotion correct if you have written a personal diary about our experiences with him go read that do whatever but be lost in that swami principle because what we are receiving in those moments is something tremendous we are so receptive that it benefits us so much there has been a rich history of so many saints and sages who have achieved the lord in such moments of receptivity because dear listeners we really hope that i mean we know that this feeling of pining and yearning is universal among swami's devotees we know that each one of you there would have found your own way of dealing with it not in the sense of you know suppressing it dealing with it is not what we hmm. mean in that sense you would have found your own way of fostering this feeling and pain and hmm. we would love to know that what are your ways of doing it and we would and love to share your experiences your experiences yes. and your joy of experiencing the sweetness of that pain we would love to share it with all our listeners and we would like to make this satsang truly a satsang of all our hearts and prem uh, before we conclude so much you know we spoke about that song, that song. which swami enjoyed meera bai's song maybe we should conclude with that song offering our most humble and loving and everything gratitude to swami for giving us this chance to have known him to have stayed with him to have lived with him to have enjoyed his presence and to have enjoyed his omnipresence we conclude this satsang part 1 of this satsang with this meera bai song about she pining to see the lord a very very beautiful song dear listeners we are leaving you with this song thank you sairam and happy listening krishna 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 krishna
क्यों तरसावो अंतरयामी मधनी सारे धनी पदनी सारे गे सागर सनी रे सनी दसनी दबनी दबद मरी गरे गम पदनी सा क्यों तर सा अंतरियामी आई मिलो कृपा कर स्वामी मीरा दासी जनम जनम की मीरा दासी जनम जनम की परी तुम्हारे परी तुम्हारे पार प्यारे दर्शन दी छोआ प्यारे दर्शन दी छोआ तुम बिन रहो ना जाए प्यारे तुम बिन रहो ना जाए प्यारे दर्शन दी जोआ दर्शन दी जोआ दर्शन दी जोआ दर्शन दी जोआ You just heard an episode of our radio series Afternoon Satsang. This is a live discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics and today's episode was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12:30 p.m. on January 3rd, 2013. You can mail us your comments and feedback to listener@radiosai.org. Sai Ram.